football with the boys i'm your host chris westfall and this is the blitz welcome to another week alongside neil waldeck kelly gamble both in studio b this evening and welcome back everybody to our winner of last week's pick segment the winner aaron host neil said he was doing a lot of extensive studying and I think maybe he feels a little more confident when he's outside the studio, and it paid off for him. Well, and see, when you take a bye week, Chris, I sh- told you I should have took a bye week. You should have. And I didn't after my horrible week, and I would have came back and bounced. Uh, you still had a great week, Neil. I did, but. Nine and two. We all did good. Aaron, Aaron. Host in Studio A here goes 10 and one. Yes. Aaron, you've been on the show now. This is your second year. Ha- have you had, is that your first 10 and one week? It is. West Virginia is what got me. Yeah, he would have been perfect if he hadn't put too much faith in those Mountaineers. Neil Waldeck also got bit by the Mountaineers last week. Kelly and I got those right. Kelly, we both went 8-3 and three on the week. Two of those week. games was close, Chris. 30-28, and the other one was uh, think, Washington State, Arizona State, and Temple-Memphis game was back and forth, both of them. Temple and Memphis. Look at that Temple team. Here's a fun stat, and I'm going to throw this one out. Before we even get to the pick segment tonight, because Temple is back on the pick sheet again. Temple was a candidate for my fight song of the week. Because first time in program history, back-to-back weeks, they beat a top 25 team. First time in program history. Yes. How many years has Temple been playing football? A long time, right? (laughs) Unbelievable. We will get to the pick segment Later in the show, and of course, we've already mentioned um, Neil Waldeck and Aaron Host put their faith in the Mountaineers last week. And guys, again, you you go through three quarters of that football game and you're in the game. 21-14 at the end of three quarters with your backup quarterback, with the defense playing pretty much all freshmen, (laughs) basically. especially in the secondary. And they're able to keep you in it all the way through the third quarter. All the way through the third quarter. Today, uh, yesterday in Neil Brown's press conference, of course, he mentions that they've got to learn to finish. And that's part of the process or the, the motto of this whole season, trusting the climb. Neil Waldeck, going to go to you first tonight. Uh, your thoughts, West Virginia, Iowa State last week. Well, Chris, it's like this. It's the same kind of story that we have, you know, told earlier uh, in a couple games, especially the Missouri game. When you leave your defense out there for so long, they're going to get tired. And I think you saw that. They hung in there uh, for the three quarters and it finally caught up to them uh, when you're not moving the football. They seem to have done well there in the first half uh, with Jack Allison and, of course, Coach Neil Brown saying that uh, that was their best option was Jack Allison. I 
probably would have to agree with that. I mean, we, we haven't really had a good look at Trey Lowe to know whether or not, but if he says that Jake Allison's his best option, then we have to live with that. And uh, they, they came down. They was able to put a drive before halftime together and, and tie the game up. But in the second half, it just seemed like they were playing not to to lose the game. That's well, the kind of way I looked at it. It wasn't to win the game, but to try not to make uh, Jack Allison throw an, uh, a stupid interception or or do something that could put this team in jeopardy. Well, Am I right? Is that what you saw? Well, I, mean, I think they I adjusted this. to the crossing route because that's what he was hitting with Simmons uh, in that drive. So I think they adjusted and took that crossing route away and said, hey, throw deep. And we couldn't throw deep because in the press conference, even Aaron asked the question why they didn't didn't go deep. And he said they was playing three deep. And so therefore they was, you know, that. Uh, but they took the crossing route away in the second half. Uh, and, and like he mentioned in his post game, it comes down to, okay, you got a set offense that that you're looking to run. It is designed for Austin Kendall in mind. He goes down. Jack Allison doesn't get as many reps during the week. And you've got to limit your playbook to what he feels comfortable with. And by looking at the two down filled shots that Jack Allison took, uh, I can understand why you're not throwing the ball deep. But the funny thing is, that's that's what he's supposed to be best at. If he, if he has the time to set his feet in the pocket. Um, and again, and, and that goes back to my theory, is you cannot trust those stars you put on a guy coming out. And, of and I agree to that. Here's my other thing is, is Jack Allison, does he read defense as well? When he's at, uh, you know behind center, and that is that uh, an issue? Mm. Because we've seen in the game where he got in, and I think that was against Missouri, when, where he threw the quick interception yeah. because he wasn't reading the defense well. I'm still laughing about that interception <laughs> he threw in Missouri. Yeah, that was a laughable moment. E- even I knew not to throw that ball sitting, so, sitting so on the couch. Not, but but Chris, if he's not recognizing the defense yeah. and what the and, defense is bringing. Then that could be very difficult, and I think that it might be st- uh, some of the issues. There. I think, I don't know. yeah, I think the reason he is, is that way is because he's looking at his first option, yeah. concerned about getting sacked, and he's not going to his second and third reads. And I think whenever he don't have that first read, he don't ever have, have time to get to the third. And I think it has some things to do with limited reps in practice. You you don't get to see it as much as the starter. It'll be very interesting to see because we have found out that Austin Kendall still questionable for the upcoming week. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Jack Allison does with a week with the number ones getting those reps uh, underneath of him. Do you does anybody here think that Trey Lowe deserves a chance? Yes. Well they asked that in a, his press conference on uh, Tuesday and they asked him, they said, you know, does Trey Lowe get and he said and he didn't even call Jack Allison his starter if Kendall couldn't go. He said that he had a package. Okay. Here, let me add, let me answer your question with a question. Okay. <laughs> Who is the best player on your team if you're a head coach? You mean position wise? Yeah. Who's the Who's well, the? It should be your leader. Should be your quarterback. No. No. The the in a fan's mind, the best player on your team, Kelly's the backup quarterback. Everybody loves the backup quarterback. Well, always. Yeah, you, I understand. You, you, you if the starter's not doing well, yeah. You don't see him in practice every day. You don't know. I, I, you know, I hate questioning people that question uh, coaching decisions when you're not the guy that sees them every day. 
And, and it, it, don't get me wrong. Maybe Trey Lowe is amazing. But does he fit what he's trying to do? Okay, so um, Aaron Host here says yes. So why do you believe that he deserves the chance? Well, it gives you so much more variables, whereas Jack Allison, you're restricted to a pocket passer and just you a are. standard running the ball, whereas Trey Lowe, he can get outside the pocket, he can do the option, he can do the read option, he can also throw the ball. It gives you a little more volatility to where it leaves the defense guessing. Not saying he's better but at throwing the ball. Th- that's, again, do we know that for sure? But, Be- we, because but, we, but we know what we got in Jack Allison. We've seen we him twice now, and, and everybody's like, well, we wonder what he's going to do when he gets full reps. He had that in the bowl game, and you saw it. But it, the next question is, we saw Trey Lowe in the bowl game, and he didn't do anything special but either. He didn't have off but he didn't have snaps with the – he didn't practice with the number ones. Well, and he still has it. So I, I guess the way I'm arguing this point is everybody loves the backup quarterback, but we really don't know without seeing it. Maybe Trey Lowe comes out and he's not as fast as everybody says he I got is a or everybody for you. thinks he is. I got a question for you. Say the Mountaineers lose this game and they get to eight losses on the season. Is this the point where you turn to Deggie? Give him his four no. games to where he's no. he still got the red shirt. He can play the final four games. You see what you got next year in Deggie. No. No, I, I, I'm sticking with the guys I got. I, why would I, you do that? I don't, if you've already got a losing record, why would you put him in anyways? And, 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 Are you talking about Deggie? Yeah. Deggie. Yeah, no, we gotta save, we got to save him. Yeah, and you might not even be saving Deggie, okay? Because you don't know what he looks like either. Uh, he does have more game time experience than – but again, it was in the MAC conference. That, that's correct. What what is what if Deggy gets out there and has that deer in the headlights look when you got a defense like Oklahoma coming at? You? That's right. I, I mean, I, I guess I've just never been a fan of a fan base because the fan base always knows best. We we know that, right? Get tired right. of reading messages. <laughs> we don't we don't see him. <laughs> but we we're we're not watching him every every day in practice. Aaron Host, by the way, congratulations getting the first question at the post game press conference. What it, second to last. <laughs> oh, was it second to last? Yeah, it was the final, oh, set, it was oh. the final but three his first question it. though that he's ever asked. The first question you ever asked. I, I thought it was a little further up. It, I, I thought maybe you elbowed somebody to get in there. I was set in front row. Set in front row. Oh yeah, no problem. I mean, it's it's not as packed as what you think in that press conference room. Uh, you did bring up a valid point in the press conference. You asked, of course, if there was any hesitance to go down the field with Jack Allison, um, and of course, he gave you some good coach talk. Well, I did. I did respect him. Say, I'm not trying to give you a smart answer, but I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess he didn't want to hurt my feelings too much. <laughs> I think it was a good. I think it was a, a legitimately good question. I wouldn't ask it to Holgerson though after that game. Oh, back to Holgerson. Yep, always back to Holgerson. Um, I I just think in a lot of people that that was the gripe after this game was why didn't you open up the playbook? I, I just don't think he's got enough reps. Um, and guys, those two passes he threw downfield, ugh, yeah, it didn't look good at all. Ugh. Um, but again, uh, there's positives that come out of this game. Okay, we got Jack Allison some playing time moving forward. If he's the guy, uh, at least he gets some reps before you go into what you're going into this week. 
now, Chris, my, my thought here is, though, when, when Neil Brown, when they said, well, is Jack Allison your starter uh, for this Saturday against Oklahoma, he did not say, well, yeah, he is. I'm going with him. I'm going to stick behind him. The, the This is what how he said it. He said, if Kendall can't go, then we have a package that will uh, suit this game. Okay, so maybe you go to multiple quarterbacks. Maybe uh, that, that could maybe that's what he feels is the best way to try or to win. Or could he play both Trello and Allison and what whatever works at this point in time? You know yeah. the situation of the game. Is he saying I may go with both of them, hey, not just one? And guy. don't forget, uh, years ago, a few years ago, when Will Greer went down against Texas. Remember what you did to Oklahoma that you had some success with, and that was going wildcat with Kennedy McCoy. Could you see something like that as well? And that could be a possibility as well, yeah. Well, we'll get more into the Oklahoma situation as the show rolls on. That's coming up in our next segment. Don't forget, if you miss any part of the show tonight, you can catch it on the Sports Roundtable podcast. Make sure you check that out. It'll be up all week for your listening pleasure. We're coming back and talking West Virginia, Oklahoma, right after this short break. You're listening to The Blitz on 96.7 K-Country. Segment two of the Blitz coming up this week, this weekend, this Saturday, 12 noon kickoff. Let's see if Neil's been paying attention. So if uh, uh, noon kickoff, we go on the air at 8.30. 8.30. He pays attention on <laughs> Preston County's Mountaineer Station. Leading you up to the kickoff at 12 noon with Tony Caridi. It'll be nationally televised this week on Fox as their big noon game. So that means turn your TV down, turn the radio up, listen to Tony Caridi. Mountaineers come into the game a 33-and-a-half point underdog. That is, um, well, I'll give some numbers. Where, where I'm going with this is if West Virginia would win this game, it would be a very huge upset. And while we're speaking of upsets, let's get to my fight song of the week, gentlemen. Go Gamecocks! <laughs> that was a good game right there. Guys, the, the biggest upset so far of the college football yes. season first top team to go down as South Carolina knocks off the Georgia Bulldogs. Shaking things up a little bit. LSU moves up to second in the polls this week after that big win against Florida. I think that was one of the biggest upsets so far this season. Making Oklahoma a top five team. West Virginia will face off against Oklahoma like we said before 12 noon. The fight song of the week from the South Carolina Gamecocks, 33-and-a-half-point underdog. West Virginia has not been that big of an underdog. Anybody want to take a guess? Kelly Gamble likes to take these guesses. Last time, West Virginia was a 30-plus underdog. Probably, I want to say, Miami of Florida, somewhere along the way. You got the team correct. Okay. 2001, they came in as a 34-point underdog Against Miami. I didn't know the year, but I had a feeling it was probably back when we played 2001, Miami. 2001, Miami went on, uh, do yeah, believe, Miami. to win the national championship. Miami was strong back That then. year, yeah. They were really good uh, in that stretch of time. So that that's what you're up against. It would definitely be, oh, by the way, 
Uh, Miami won and covered <laughs> that day, if you were wondering. 43-3. to What was the score? 43-3. to That was the day that my second daughter was born. Really? Yes, October 21st. I bet if you look it up, it was October 21st. And you probably, hey, I am not going to doubt you, uh, sir. Because I was supposed to go to the game, and I didn't. <laughs> I was right across at the hospital at Ruby Memorial. <laughs> well, you, you were close. I was close. You were close. <laughs> I gave my tickets away, and I'm glad I did. <laughs> yeah. Boy, that would have been a conversation. Left your, left your birth to go to a, a butt stomping. Yeah. <laughs> It was much well worth it to stay there with my baby girl, Kayla. Guys, I have been very hard this season on Jalen Hurts. Actually, not just this season. Going back to the... uh, Ever since I found that Jalen Hurts was going to Oklahoma, I uh, said he doesn't fit the system. It is not a good situation for Oklahoma. He's not the quarterback. I give props... And I kept saying it throughout the year. They just haven't played anybody yet. They played somebody last week. So I give props to Lincoln Riley for adjusting his system for a running, not a pass-heavy quarterback. Okay, Because what they've done with that running game is fantastic, and they proved it last week. Oklahoma is not good this year because of Jalen Hurts. Oklahoma is not good at what they're doing offensively. What they are winning games with and what they are very good at, and they proved it last week, is, oh, my goodness, Kelly, they found a defense. Uh, a major a change from the defensive coordinator, and he's done a great job. I mean, Oklahoma's playing defense. I was so impressed with their defense last week. Um, now, Jalen Hurts is going to be a tough ask for the Mountaineer defense because he's probably the best running quarterback in the league had, I think, 160 rushing yards last week against Texas. I'm not scared of what Jalen does to you in the passing game. Their passing game hasn't changed much. They get the ball to players in space. But what he can do to you with his legs is going to be hard for the Mountaineer defense uh, to cover. Guys, thoughts on Oklahoma? Kelly Gamble, go to you first this time. uh, Oklahoma this week. I think we're in for a long day, Chris. No. Um, yes, the secondary had guys come in, freshmen, and they got some experience, and it, it bodes well for the future. But for me personally, uh, not only Oklahoma, but for the rest of the year, I think it's going to be a long season now. I mean, I think it's what we saw early in the year. We got a little excited because we put up some points against NC State. Um, but overall, no, I think the Mountaineers are, you know, Neil Brown will put this team and have a better opportunity to beat Oklahoma and, and Texas in years to come. But I think it's going to be a very long day on Saturday. Aaron Host, your thoughts of this upcoming Saturday afternoon in Norman? Well, we're just watching the red of the game last week between Oklahoma and Texas. It just shows how Oklahoma is willing to adapt to any situation. They have that shutdown defense when they have to do it. There's many things that scare me in this game. A lot of WVU's defensive numbers are in the last quarter of the Big 12 ranking-wise. Most of Oklahoma's are in the top three, if not the top two. So things do not look good. They look even worse than they did towards the Missouri game. We saw how the Missouri game went. So I'm not expecting a, a huge upset. I mean, I'm giving my pick away there. WV will not win. But as always go, Mountaineers, I could, I, there's still going to uh, be an upset. Okay, so you say they won't win. You already gave your spot away, so I'll, I'll, I'll ask this to you. Do you think they cover a 33-and-a-half point 
spread. I don't think it's. I don't think Oklahoma covers. I don't think it's covered. I think it's maybe okay. a seventeen point victory. Do, I still think it's significant. Do you think West Virginia can keep it close, as close as they've been keeping these other games with Iowa State and Texas? Do you think West Virginia has a chance to win going into the fourth quarter? It all depends on the quarterback play in the first quarter. If Jack Allison is finding his man's or Trey Low, if the packages are working, you could very well find maybe a three-point deficit going into the half. But if Jack Allison is not on it, he's got the concrete shoes back on again, <laughs> we'll be down 30 easily at the half, and it'll just get worse. Neil Waldeck, your thoughts on Saturday and Norman? It could be ugly, uh, but then again, it could be uh, competitive. It depends on... Oklahoma's on a high. They played Texas. Yeah, they are. They could come in a little flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could catch them there. But it depends on who's playing the quarterback. And if you don't move the football, your defense is going to get tired, and this is going to get ugly, just as the, with what we have been seeing. Same, same question I asked Aaron Host. Do you think West Virginia can make this a game into the fourth quarter? No. You don't? So you're, don't. you're neither of you guys? I think that's going to be the issue. I think we could keep it competitive in the first quarter. Okay. But after that, I think that we're going to be, uh, you know, our defense Guys, will be tired. I, I got to say this. Uh, okay, you you got the makings of an upset here, and let me tell you why. You you catch them coming off a big game, big rivalry game. Okay, where you put a lot of energy in preparing. For a highly ranked Texas Longhorns team, your rival, you go out, you beat them handedly, you put a pretty good spanking on them, and and it sets up pretty well for the Mountaineers because then they see the spread this week. Oh, man, we're 33.5-point favorites. These guys are coming off two straight losses. They couldn't beat Texas. So if, if there is a possibility... For a Mountaineer win, you've got to hope that maybe, just maybe, Oklahoma comes in overlooking you a little bit. Oh, there's that chance. What's the forecast? Yeah, <laughs> I have not looked because up Because to me, that's the only way if it's a major monsoon. Okay. I... <laughs> there's one thing I want to say, and towards going kind of back to last week's game, it's one thing West Virginia has to do differently this week's game is West Virginia was on the field their mm-hmm. defense was on the field for 11 minutes and 55 seconds in the fourth quarter yeah that is where it got away from them. the overall time of possession in the second half was heavily it, it, and it's not just this week it was it was the week before against Texas that's too what, that's you did the same them. thing you're, you're having freshman safeties out there mm-hmm who are trying to pick up a load of a junior and a senior safety, it's just the same as expecting a high school freshman to go up against, I don't know, a Division One uh, commit. And play it, both it, ways. It, it's kind of it's, – it's asking too much of the guys. Do I think they got a better chance with the coaching staff this year? Yes. But I just think it's too much of a tall task to ask these kids right now. Good thing is these kids will have a lot of experience going yeah, next year. People like Tyke Smith, a kid who's really surprised me so far this season. He was the one that got the lone touchdown in Iowa State. We only had one offensive touchdown last week. One. Yeah, yeah. So, Thrown I mean, by Jack Allison. And that, and that was a pretty sustainable drive. 14 yards on seven, 14 Actually, plays and 76 yards. Our scoring drive 
against Iowa State was the longest scoring drive of the year. 14 plays. Uh, that That's kind of unbelievable. Led by Jack Alice. Dink they went dunk. into the halftime. It just felt like they were not going to win. They felt like they were always fighting an uphill battle no matter what, even when it was tied. But give Brock Purdy, though, a lot of credit. Well, we he used his tight check. ends very well. They have three big tight ends, and he used them very well in that game. I loved how they slowed down. Because we talked last week, Purdy was the leading rusher for the team going in. They They... They came in saying, we are not going to let Brock Purdy hurt us. Now, they didn't know about that running back Freshman. that ran off. Brees Hall was <laughs> Freshman, 128 yards. Yeah. Torched us. Yeah, he did. But he was uh, he was an unknown. They they used a spy. Tonkery spied on Purdy. Most game did a phenomenal job with it. And really took him out of it except for his throwing. And early, you got a lot of pressure on him. You're going to have to do the same things against Jalen Hurts this week. The only problem is the the talent behind Jalen Hurts runs deeper than the talent that Iowa State has. The reason we didn't get off the field, Chris, third down. I don't know if anybody has third that Third and fourth down. Third down, and then they was three for three on fourth down. Yeah. So, I mean, that's critical. And Neil when Brown he, brought that up in his press conference yesterday. He said they could not get off the yeah. field in third, third and down fourth down. Third down, fourth down, three for three. Yeah. And they were five for five in the red zone with touchdowns. You yeah. didn't even hold them to a field goal in the red zone. When they were in the red zone, they scored a touchdown every single time last week. That's something then, West Virginia has to limit. They have to limit to field goals. To that, That's one thing that killed them in the Texas game. The yeah. defense has got to stand up. Well, Chris, uh, the other question I have concern about is if you've got injuries in the secondary, you've got a young group, can they match up with Lamb? Because this boy, yeah, C.D. Lamb know, is good. He can fly down the field and he can make plays. He has eleven touchdowns. Yeah, already. That's I, I didn't realize that. We just and, at the and he's the follow up to Hollywood Brown from yes. last year. And you remember what he did to us last year? It was ugly. Hey, but give all the world credit in the world to Vic Coning in this defense because they have kept you in the last two games. Until he, the fourth quarter, he's done a good job of scheming and and getting uh, his right defensive players out there. But he's starting to lose numbers, and, especially in that and, secondary. And I hate to sound like a broken record, but until we can find a running game, you are not going to be successful. Forty six yards of rushing is not going to cut it in the Big Twelve. It's just not. They've got to find a way. To get the running backs going real quick, Martel Petaway um, did not dress for last week's game. It looks like he will take a red shirt yep. and set out the season. He will be back next year, not transferring out. Other news coming out this week, Tevin Bush will enter the transfer portal. Going back to our conversation last week, guys, here yep. we go. Free agency uh, of football. Austin Kendall is still questionable. Neil Brown says he will not play Austin Kendall unless he is 100% at time of kickoff. So I don't know if he's going to get there. And Washington, Keith Washington, the heart and soul of the defense early in the season, um, questionable for this week, did not play last week. He was a game-time decision, so we will have to see how that shakes out. It's just getting harder and harder. Like you said, as those injuries start to pile up on an already very young defense, uh, Neil Brown said in his press conference yesterday at one time they played 16 
total through the game, they played 16 either true or red shirt freshmen during that game. He had eight on the field at one time on defense. I think I heard today that there was 33 either freshmen, red shirt freshmen, or sophomores, sophomores. that has played so far. 33. Yeah, and probably all of them played in that Iowa State game. Uh, unbelievable how young this team is. And I've been telling people all year, guys, you have got to give this thing some time. You got to look at what you were left behind. And now you're starting to see other players get weeded out. The people from the last regime that aren't going to fit. You know, I love Tevin Bush. I was high on him, but obviously he's not going to be a fit. Giovanni Stewart, same way. We'll see what happens with Petaway as time moves on. What was left in these cabinets, guys? Questionable. Bear. Bear. You have to give time for Neil Brown, and hopefully things will work out. I think it's a testament to Neil Brown and Vic Koning and the whole entire coaching staff with the young players they've had. With the exception of the Missouri game, they've been in every game. They've had a fighting chance to win every single game. and A lot of people thought Brock Purdy would have torched us. A lot of people even thought Sam Ellinger was going. It was going to be a laugher. At you that held homecoming. Sam Ellinger and Brock Purdy to probably two of their worst games of the year, and that's with true freshman yeah. players, with the exception of your heart and soul and Keith Washington. Yeah. So, lots of what look forward to in the future, uh, guys. We got to take a quick break. We're up against it. We'll be back with more here on the Blitz. Oh, yeah. Segment three of the Blitz. It is the Neil Waldeck song of the week. Yes. We got to get ready for the Sooners. Okie from Muskokie, some Merle Haggard, man. <laughs> yeah. Do we even know if this song is about Oklahoma or is this about Muskokie? Or well, whatever it is. Whatever. Uh, I think he mentions that uh, there was some smoking. We may all be smoking something after this game. Because it could be that disastrous. <laughs> but what I'm saying, is Muskogee even in Oklahoma? He's an Okie. That's all we know. So we, he is an Okie. Yeah. Okay. Just going to set back here and just, just take it all in. Take in me some Merle Haggard, man. <laughs> That's pure country classic right there. It is. Good stuff. You never know what you're going to hear. Anymore on the radio, you just don't hear real country music anymore like Merle Haggard. Uh, They're they're playing all the new stuff. Yeah, man. That tells you pure about Oklahoma right there. Hey, Neil, can I ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. Hey, I, I heard a rumor, man. Oh, boy. I heard you. I got you addresses to Kelly Gamble, too. Okay. I heard you guys don't even know your way out of Preston County. What's that all about? <laughs> um, well, I think we do uh, know our way out of Preston oh, County. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you sure? Because I heard you didn't. Well, you know, sometimes the question that you want to ask yourself is it well worth the trip to get where you want to go you know is you it, really is it, really want to be there is it worth the know, border uh, what's that is it worth going across the border exactly is yeah. it well worth it? i think it really becomes political chris there is a lot of politics yeah behind you guys knowing you from going from one county to another exactly there are a lot of politics and that involved is involved with what 
whether or not you guys and know your you way out of Preston County. If they won't allow you to go over the hill once, why keep going over the hill, right? You know, because I know for a fact that Neil Waldeck knew his way out of Preston County when I was traveling with him. That is correct. And- Either Neil Waldeck needed my guidance. <laughs> You was my GPS. <laughs> uh, that's some inside humor that we we had to get on the show this evening. Um, sure. GPS, bad GPS coordinates, politics, and is the juice worth the squeeze? There you go. Mm. Exactly. Good question, Chris. Yes. I know. Nobody got that except for, hopefully, who it was supposed to be intended yeah, for. Yeah, I hope they did, too. I hope they yeah. did. You didn't think I was going to bring that up. I no. think that was the comment, I, wasn't I thought it? you had forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have done your Waldeck Song of the Week, and it is week three. Uh, no, it's not week three. It is segment three of The Blitz, Preston County's only Mountaineer Station. Giving you all the coverage, not just clips throughout the week. That's right. Only. Only. We don't just give you clips and broke down interviews, guys. We we do the whole thing. We even play the games on Saturday, by the way. 8.30 is pregame show this Saturday. Kickoff scheduled for 12 noon in Norman, Oklahoma. West Virginia looking to pull one of the biggest upsets in program history. South Carolina, guys, we teased this a little bit earlier, pulls a big win on Georgia. Okay, Georgia now has one loss. They drop back to number 10 in the polls. Let the debates begin. How many losses can an SEC team have and still make the playoff? Georgia's still safe with one loss. Right, Neil? They are for right now. Uh, we'll see how they rebound uh, from that uh, uh, upset loss to South Carolina. But it did open the door for LSU. And uh, LSU finds themselves now setting pretty comfortable. But could, uh, could there be four SEC teams in the playoffs? I don't see that happening. I really think Ohio State uh, is that uh, Ohio State's fourth uh, team. Hey, and, and you know who that hurts? Who it really hurts? Notre Dame. It does. Notre Dame, with that loss to Georgia, uh, you know, that that starts to put a little chip in their armor and and playing a tight game with USC. And and last year, I think Aaron Host has brought that up a couple times, just how Notre Dame played in last year. I know they're not supposed to look back at that, but it makes you wonder. Another SEC team. Big win, jumping them up to number two. And guys, I am sorry, LSU deserves to be the number one team in this country. What have they done to not be above Alabama? What has Alabama done to be above LSU? Tradition, Chris. It's just tradition. And I guess it doesn't matter because when the playoff poll comes out and they will play each other here in a few weeks. And by the way, I'm taking LSU going ahead and saying it i might too i'm going to lsu i don't care if they have to go to alabama joe burrow man is awesome and you want to talk about quarterbacks that deserve the heisman this year joe burrow's the man and could could very well get that too so and good for coach ogeron gold tigers i love that guy i love when he says that 
Uh, other things in college football to talk about tonight. You guys wanted to bring this up. We we mentioned Temple a little bit earlier in the show. I, I, I can't believe we're going to go into Temple in, in a segment. But here you go. They're coming off two uh, wins against top 25 teams. They're taking on number 19 SMU. Congratulations to SMU. Their first big-time season since they got the death penalty back in the 80s. Uh, Boise State playing good football. Central Florida, I, I know they've lost twice this year, but hey, they're they're still good. Cincinnati, guys, Cincinnati, it, they're all coming towards this uh, culmination of who will get that New Year Six bowl bid. I don't think any of them have enough steam or are high enough to get into the playoff, but they're definitely going to get a bowl bid. Guys, if your conferences and moving towards 2024 and contract negotiations coming up, especially the Big 12, let's do it this way. Big 12, if you were the Big 12, and I know they've turned down expansion before, are any of these teams on your radar? Kelly Gamble, I'll go to you first. Yeah, Boise State and BYU. I think those are the two teams that the Big 12 would look at maybe. Um Taking somebody else from the East, we know that all the tro- <clears throat> trouble that West Virginia has in travel. and But I think that BYU and Boise State's always been on the radar. Um, and yeah. I think that to go six and six, you know, the six in each division and have a true Big 12, uh, yeah, I think they're both competitive teams. And I think that would pick up their recruiting even more, getting them in the Big 12. So those two teams have been respectable for years. But if you're going, if you're, you would kind of hope if you're West Virginia, if you're going to split into two divisions, they get you some help in the East. What about a team like Cincinnati, Central Florida? I mean, I'd love to see it, but I just think that the problems that we have again with the travel and and the amount of money and and time put in it, do they have the amount of money there at those institutions to travel and and have that much travel? They they could, they probably would make uh, ends meet, but. I just don't see the Big 12 taking another East Coast team. I think that Oliver Luck was definitely behind that all the way, and he's a very bright man. So to get another team from the East Coast in the Big 12, I don't see it happening. Now, Aaron, I want to phrase it a little differently to you. And the reason we're bringing this up, we we know that 2024 is kind of that spot that everybody's looking at because everybody's contracts start to run out. West Virginia's contract with the Big 12 runs out 2024. Aaron, I'm going to ask your personal opinion. Do you think West Virginia will even be in the Big 12 past 2024? No. No, they will not. You you think personally that that they're going to move? From all the writers and people I've talked at in the press press box, press conferences and everything, the feeling around basically the university is that the Mountaineers plan on leaving. Now, this is all rumors. A lot of things can change in five, four years. Um, but I definitely think the Mountaineers are definitely going to switch conferences. Um, the ACC is the big one right now is where they're looking at. My personal opinion is is that the Mountaineers got their GPA to where they could go in the ACC. Look how much Neil Brown focuses on academics. What's to say in five years he doesn't get them so good where the Big Ten is not out of the realm of No, no, no. We will never, ever be academically. I think it comes down to money. It, it does. It, it, if we are going to lose money, we are not going to leave the Big 12. If we could have the same amount of money I think we'll stay gain on the money. East Coast. This is what's going to become 
really because you remember the last time conference realignment happened it was all based on television dollars where is the state of the television contracts going to be in 2024 with the massive cable companies struggling now and having to turn to streaming it no longer matters about how many televisions is in your market that that's what makes the 2024 um that far into future where will tv and these contracts be where will the money move to in, by 2024 it's endless i, I mean think, every year it's going it's increasing every year i think you must have to be nostradamus to predict that in 2024 <laughs> because you don't know you could get in a contract in 2024 look how much life has changed all around since we joined the big 12 yeah since we joined the big 12 12 based off of tv ratings look how much those tv ratings have changed just yeah. in the and, and people have even... their own market i mean they have their yeah. own network longhorn network i mean Neil, what about those things? You're pretty quiet over there. Your, your thoughts on all this, and I know we're looking way into the future here, but you know we, we got we got time to fill. So, well, well, what I'm thinking is, uh, here's another question, and I thought about this, and here's my thing: Do you, if you had had the opportunity to bolt for the ACC, yes, right I would now, go in a heartbeat. The ACC is struggling, other than Clemson, so it, it's almost like the 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 Big East football that, that it was kind of collapsing at the end where just there wasn't really a good, solid team. We're seeing that right now, but other than Clemson. And you then, or do you become weak then going into the ACC? Because they right now they don't have no powerhouse except for Clemson. Which almost uh, lost to North Carolina. Yeah. Where if you see in the Big 12, you're playing against the big boys. But you're playing to be- I think if a conference is the most vulnerable to being picked apart, it is the Big 12. Because one move in the wrong direction by the Big 12, and you make Texas mad, or you make Oklahoma mad, and Texas is getting something that Oklahoma isn't, or Oklahoma's getting something Texas isn't, one of them's gone. If they if they, if they go that route, but they seem to be doing well, and they've been together for but, a Yeah, but that's a, that is a very fragile relationship. And if you can't keep both of those guys happy, you lose one, you lose it all. Well, yeah, definitely. You would lose uh, whether you lose Oklahoma or Texas. But then, if you and, and, but if you gain a couple more teams once twenty twenty four comes, then you're in the old Big East where they gain teams. But are they teams that are going to generate the revenue of a Texas or an Oklahoma? But, True. But then there's other uh, there's other things that's involved, and it goes back to also college basketball, which is also a yeah. big revenue sport. So it is. You're, you're, there's a lot involved when it comes to those two sports. It's going to rule. So, you know, and Kansas is on a demise because of what's going on with their situation in basketball. But so just because they're not a good football team, you know, everybody wants Kansas still in the Big 12 because of their basketball. Right. Guys, uh, that's all the time we have to spend on that conversation for tonight. I'm sure between now and then we will have many more. Hey, folks, it is a noon kickoff this Saturday. Norman, Oklahoma. Join us 8.30 a.m. for the pregame on Preston County's Mountaineer Station, 96.7 K-Country. When I hitting with a line, oh, I went and lost my mind and I ain't been here long, but the bobbers in the pond, going up, down, up, down, up, down. That's the one right there. That's it, dude. That's it. Whoop.
and welcome back, everybody. Another week of talking football with myself, Chris Westfall, Neil Waldeck, and Kelly Gamble in Studio B, and Aaron Host joins me in Studio A. Guys, we already went over last week's records. Aaron Host with a fabulous 10 and 1 mark. Neil Waldeck comes in at 9 and 2. Kelly and I go 8 and 3 in our pick segment. And guys, here is the exciting part. We are now officially halfway through the college football season, and we have a three way tie at the top between myself, Neil Waldeck, Aaron Host, Kelly Gamble. Still trails us all by four games. It's pretty good, though. All year long, nobody's been four any more. Yeah, it's been very, very close. We we need a week of separation. Maybe this will be our separation Saturday. Well, you can't say that Neil and I looked at each other this week. We got four (laughs) games different. Four games? Holy cow. Let's get to it. This is our pick six segment of the show where we pick six of the top games around college football this week. Make sure you join us on the Sports Roundtable podcast to hear our five other picks for this week. Starting off with two teams that went opposite directions last week. Florida put up a fight against LSU, ended up losing by two touchdowns. They are traveling into Columbia, South Carolina, that will be on fire this Saturday. South Carolina knocking off the Georgia Bulldogs this past Saturday. Can they keep this a rolling? Does Will Muschamp have it figured out down in South Carolina? We'll start with Neil Waldeck, Florida, and South Carolina. Well, Chris, I think that uh, that is South Carolina. They got a big boost from that uh, win over um georgia and upset them but i don't think they keep it going i think florida is a surprise team as well i think they go in there and sneak out a win over the gamecocks kelly gamble i agree i think that south carolina falls a little backwards after that big upset and florida again is way better than i thought they was earlier in the year i think florida don't turn the ball over as uh georgia did i think that was the big part of the upset so florida gators Hey, I tell you what, Florida, uh, seeing what they've become over the weeks and maybe what Georgia isn't, uh, I'm thinking Florida might be the best team in the SEC East this year. I'm taking Florida. Aaron Host. Clean sweep. Clean sweep with Florida. Moving to the Big 12 now. West Virginia's opponent from last week, Iowa State. They will travel to Lubbock to take on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Kelly Gamble. Iowa State found a running game. Yeah, they did. found it in a freshman, and I think that Iowa State is finally putting it together. And, Chris, you gave the stat last week. They are undefeated, I believe, in the month of October. 9-0 now in the last three seasons. 9-0. I think Coach Campbell has it going. I think that Iowa State goes to Texas Tech and comes away with a close win. Make it 10-0 for Iowa State. Iowa State knocks off Texas Tech. Aaron Host. Iowa State. And Neil Waldeck. Texas Tech. Oh, wow. I like Texas Tech. I think that uh, they're a hard-nosed group. Uh, They lost a tough one last week, but I think they'll seek redemption against uh, Iowa State. All right. Staying in the Big 12 with TCU at Kansas State. I I love what first-year Coach Kyleman has done uh, with this Kansas State team. TCU up and down, up and down, up and down, just like our intro song to the segment. I'll go Kansas State. Aaron Host. 
You know, I think Gary Patterson's going to have his defense going this week, and I just have a feeling TCU's going to come out on top. All right, we got a TCU, Neil Waldeck, Studio A. Uh, yeah, I like uh, Kansas State uh, Wildcats in this one. I think their defense uh, will prevail, and I think uh, they'll knock off TCU in this matchup. I feel we're about to get a split room. Kelly Gamble. You're right, Chris. Uh, I, I agree with Aaron. I think that Patterson has uh, TCU rolling, and uh, Kansas State has played well, but TCU. All right, more Big 12 football on Saturday. The 18th-ranked undefeated Baylor Bears, who are getting forgotten about just a little bit. They struggled. They needed double overtime last week. They now have to travel to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma State. Aaron Host, going to you first. I'm actually going with the Baylor Bears. Neil Waldeck. I like Oklahoma State. I think Sanders is a pretty decent quarterback. I think... uh, he did have a down uh, week last week. I look for him to bounce back. Kelly Gamble. Taking it because they're home. I'm going with the Cowboys. Hey, I, I told you last week I can't go against the Bears again this season. The week I did it, they they proved me wrong. Going to stick with them. I, I'm rolling, riding Baylor to 7-0 and on the season. All right. Our, oh, got an ACC matchup thrown here in the mix. You know, Wake Forest was 5-0 and going into last week till they got whopped on the head by Louisville. They're hosting Florida State, Neil Waldeck. Yeah, they did get uh, banged up there pretty good against uh, Louisville, but uh, I like Wake Forest. I think they bounce back. Florida State's still struggling. I think Florida State outscores them. I think it's another shootout, and I think Florida State outscores them even at Wake Forest. Willie Tigert very slowly getting this thing headed in the right direction at Florida State. Uh, Wake Forest, I think, going to be a little hungover from that Louisville game. I'm on Florida State, Aaron Host. I still consider Florida State a dumpster fire, so I'm going with Wake Forest. (laughs) And finally, guys, back to the Big 12 for our game. Our coverage begins at 8.30 a.m. on Preston County's Mountaineer Station. Kickoff scheduled for 12 noon. We'll have about 10 hours of coverage for you, pregame to postgame all day long right here. Guys, it is an uphill battle. For the Mountaineers, we've already told you they're 33-and-a-half-point underdog going into Norman on Saturday. Oh, and by the way, it hasn't been mentioned in this show. We still haven't beat Oklahoma since joining the Big 12 Conference. Can Neil Brown get it done in attempt number one going to Neil Waldeck? No, I think Oklahoma will dominate the game 47-13 to over WVU. Kelly Gamble. I agree. I think it's going to be a long day. I think that Oklahoma covers the spot. Not only do they cover it, I'm going big. 58-10. to 10. Aaron Host. I'll be singing Country Roads before the game because I will not be singing it after game. <laughs> yeah, you might so. want to get that in. Uh, guys, like I said, I, I think early, I, I'd like to say that our defense keeps us in it for a while, but Oklahoma does the things we don't defend well. They do them all good. Uh, Jalen Hurts, a uh, great mobile quarterback, which we have struggled against this year. they got running backs. they got receivers all over the place. I, I just don't think this young, beat-up defense is ready. And uh, t- I already told you, the defense for Oklahoma, man, that is what I am most impressed with. Guys, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I am going to say this will be the first shutout. Mountaineer team in a very long time. I'll I'll give you the stat on it later if I'm right next week. I'm going Oklahoma 49, West Virginia nothing. Trust the climb, guys. 
trust the climb. Hey, make sure you tune into the podcast for our next five picks, or if you missed any of the show, until next week, this is Chris Westfall for Neil Waldeck, Kelly Gamble, and Aaron Host on The Blitz. And thanks for joining us for the exclusive pick segment on the Sports Roundtable podcast. We would like to thank everybody that has been tuning into the podcast each and every week, our faithful listeners, in our first attempt into the world of podcasting. I am your host, Chris Westfall. Neil Waldeck and Kelly Gamble are in Studio B. Aaron Host here with me in Studio A as we try to separate this tie that we have at the top as Kelly Gamble tries to gain some ground on us. More good games Saturday noon. Interesting matchup. NC State. I I think we're going to get some mixed reactions on this one. Just a feeling. NC State tries Travels to Boston College. Neil Waldeck, I'm going to you first. Well, Boston College didn't look too good against Kansas. Uh, I like North Carolina State in this one. I think they, I mean, both teams are horrible, uh, to be honest with you, but I think the Wolfpack hangs on for a close win. Kelly? I think Boston College hangs on for a close win. I think Gibby's having trouble at NC State. I think Boston College does enough at home to win. Guys, I think I mentioned it to you. I got a, a friend that lives lives in North Carolina. He's a big NC State fan. And you, my goodness, four and two on the year record-wise. And you would think, talking to those guys down there, that that the wheels have fallen off this bus. They just aren't happy down there. And I don't think they're going to be any happier with the result here. I go Boston College. Aaron Host. Boston College, they're a hard-nosed football team, and I definitely think they'll win. All right, moving on to a top 25 matchup in the Pac-12. We actually got a couple of those to get to. Let's start with this one. 3.30 ABC, the 12th-ranked Oregon Ducks have to travel to Washington to take on the Huskies, ranked number 25, Oregon 5-1. and one. Only loss to Auburn, Washington 5-2 and two on the season. Kelly Gamble, let's go to you first. I spoke it on the show, and I'll stay with it. Oregon runs the table. I would like Oregon if they were at home. I'm feeling a little bit of an upset here. I think Chris Peterson has things turned around after those two early season losses in the year for Washington. I'm going to go Washington. Aaron Host. The Ducks. And Neil Waldeck. And I like the Ducks in this matchup as well. I got one by myself, huh? (laughs) All by myself. Okay, enough singing. Hey, we talked about this in the regular show. 5-1 5-1 Temple. They have beaten two top 25 teams for the first time in school history over the last two weeks. They get another one of them this week as they travel to the 19th-ranked SMU Mustangs, who are having a fabulous season, one of the few undefeated teams left. Guys, I think Temple's luck runs out this week. I didn't go with them last week. I'm not going with them again this week. Maybe next week. But I'm going with SMU, Aaron Host. SMU. Neil Waldeck. I'm going with SMU as well. Not going to jump on Temple this week, huh? Not this week, no. Yeah, can't do three in a row, can they? No, and, and they're on the road. They uh, just barely got past Memphis, <laughs> so let's not push it. But uh, but they're on the right uh, direction, though, Temple is. Kelly Gamble? We'll make it a sweep. SMU. 
All right, going to that next top 25 matchup in the Pac-12 Conference, the 17th-ranked Arizona State Sun Devils. We still do not know what mystical powers they possess, but we do know they are better than Mike Leach's uh, Washington State Cougars. They proved me wrong last week. They are traveling to the Utes of Utah, number 13, also 5-1 and one on the season. Aaron Host, who do you got top 25 battle? I'm going Utah. I think uh, Herm Edwards' uh, luck runs out. Neil Waldeck, I almost forgot your name. I like uh, Utah in this matchup as well. I think they win. Kelly? I think Utah is the biggest competition for Oregon, but so Utah. I will go with Utah as well as we get a clean sweep. All right, guys, the last game on our picks sheet, and it's an interesting one um, because, you know, I, I, I said early in the season – Michigan was my team in the Final Four. Then they, they lost that game. And so it's, this is an interesting game for us. Number 16, Michigan at number 7, Penn State, who went into a very tough environment last week in Iowa in Kinnick Stadium and won that game. Neil Waldeck, why don't you start us? Michigan at Penn State. Well, Michigan, they're good defensively. Offensively, still not mm. where I thought they would be at. I like Penn State in this matchup. I think they pull away and win. Kelly Gamble. Penn State, Iowa both played some defense. It was yeah. a good, hard-fought game, and I think that Penn State is for real. Uh, I think the Nittany Lions win. Aaron Host. I got a bold prediction about this game. Uh-huh. Michigan's not going to win. Penn State's going to win. My bold prediction is this will be <laughs> Jim Harbaugh's last game as the Wolverines head coach if they lose this game by a significant amount. You do not think they they will let him go to see if they can he can beat the Ohio State. I think this will be his last game. Really, that is a very bold I would disagree prediction. with that. They would have to pay I don't out think the they get rid of Harbaugh right now. Ah, uh, definitely warming up. The seat is warming up. Yeah, but they're not um, going to fire him during the regular season. It may be at the end of the season they'll take a look at it, but. But, guys, I don't even know if Michigan is the team in the Big Ten that we should be talking about. Because Penn State has proven they're they're a good football team. I I wondered at the beginning of the year, but they're a good football team. I think they'll beat Michigan this week. And let's talk Wisconsin. Wisconsin in that Big Ten conference, most underrated team in the country, most undervalued team. Guys, they have only given up three first-half points all year. I think the running back is the best in the nation. And the running back. I mean, they are the all-around package. Wisconsin, my new pick to go to the Final Four this year. Just going to throw that out there. I agree. Hey, guys, we got to go. Thanks for joining us tonight on the podcast, and we will be back next week. This is the Sports Roundtable Podcast. Thanks for listening.